0: The wheels have fallen off. Pitt has lost four games in a row. Hello and welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to a new episode of Unscripted, the Cardiac Hill Podcast. I'm your host, Corey Cohen, and in this episode, of course, we'll be talking about Pitt football and the blowout uh, against Notre Dame. 45-3 at home was the final score. Pitt has lost four in a row, and the program is in worse shape than it's been in the Pat Narduzzi era. So we're going to be talking about a lot of things in this. Uh, we'll, we'll start with the game itself and then go to the further implications about this season uh, and about uh, the coaching staff. We'll start with uh, with the game itself. The game was pitiful. It wasn't even a joy to watch. Like It wasn't fun to watch. You hope if this is a, a school that you went to, if it's a team you root for, you hope you see them, they're on TV... Uh, In this uh, particular case, national TV for the first time this season. uh, So you didn't need to have the ACC network to watch them. They were just on ABC. And you turn on the TV and you, you watch that school. And you know that a win is probably unlikely. But you hope that it's a good game. You hope that it's entertaining. You hope that the team puts in some effort. And there was none of that. It was just a dreck to have to sit through. And I couldn't even watch the whole game. I mean, I, I turned it off in the fourth quarter. It became pointless. It, it, was, it wasn't a football game anymore. But even the first half, the third quarter, it was painful to watch. It was not enjoyable. And when you think about it for just a second, what's the point of sports? The sports, the sports are to enjoy. And this was just flat out not enjoyable uh, it, this pit team hasn't really been enjoyable for a few weeks, and this game was the pinnacle of that, where you watched it, it wasn't fun, you, you could barely even get mad, for the most part, you couldn't even get really frustrated, you just sort of sat there, and you watched the team get obliterated, and there was nothing, there were barely any emotions, it just, it was almost like watching something in the background. I mean, that's how bad it was. It wasn't even bad to the point that you could get angry, that you could get frustrated. You just stopped caring. And I'd hypothesize that part of the reason why I think all of us have stopped caring and sort of checked out is because it feels like the team has stopped caring and has checked out. And that's a major problem. In that game, so much of it, it just felt like the team itself just... Stopped. Care- like their heart wasn't in it. It felt like there wasn't that that desperate desire to win, or even to put up a good game, and to try to make it close, or to, to to try to, to go out there and put a, put up uh, some good plays. None of it was there. It just it was a team that just got rolled over. They didn't have any fight. They didn't have much heart. And the other part of it that that's becoming increasingly a major problem is that there's not even growth, because that's the other thing. Sometimes you can watch terrible, uh, terrible uh, sports, but there's something to watch, there's some growth, there's something that builds. I say this as someone who was a fan uh, of the Sixers and when they were going through the process and you had this team that won like 10 games in a season, it was atrocious basketball, but you could still have fun with it in a way. It was a team and pit basketball went through this uh, it, was, it was Capel's first season when there really wasn't much on the line. Uh, you, you knew the team was going to be bad, but you just had fun being able to see the players and see how they grow uh, across the season and, uh, and sort of trying to figure out who your building blocks are. And, and even if the team doesn't play well, you can appreciate individual performances or trends or growth and things like that. There has been no growth. There have been no good individual performances. It has been the same thing essentially for four weeks now. Uh, the only difference is the quarterback position because Kenny Pickett's injured now. He was pretty much the only good part of this team outside of, uh, maybe special teams, we're pretty much just seeing the same thing over and over again. We're seeing an offense that is anemic. We're seeing a defense that is good, but can give up some big plays that'll really come back to bite them. And you're seeing a team that is outcoached pretty much week in and week out now for four weeks in a row. And nothing's changed. There hasn't been growth. There haven't been adjustments. This team hasn't, hasn't adapted. This has just been the exact same team for four weeks in a row trying the same thing and expecting different results it's been insanity and so that's part of why this team is just not enjoyable you can't even watch them and feel really upset or really angry I mean that's pit pit fans it's not that there's always been success far from it it's that even when when the team loses even when things are bad they they at least are close enough that they make you care. They put up a fight. I mean, they're generally in most games, and that's even in the Pentarduzi era. But in this game, the last two weeks, but especially in this game, there was no fight. It was just a surrender flag. Really from the very beginning, but especially when they ended the first half. Because I, I think when that happened, most of the first half was bad but it was still in a position where hey maybe this team can turn it around in the second half. I mean, the first quarter ended just 7 to 3 Notre Dame. So, you know, still a game. And it looked like it would even go into halftime uh where Notre Dame would lead by uh you know, two touchdowns and chain, you know, not a good spot for Pitt, but a spot where if you have some, you know, stirring uh, halftime speech that maybe you can really turn it around there. Uh but it really got miserable in the, that last minute and a half uh, of the first half. What happened was Notre Dame got a touchdown with a minute 29 left in the first half. Pitt gets the ball back, and uh, they don't even try to, with again, with about a minute and a half, they don't even try to work the ball down the field and even try to come away with a field goal. So you're trailing 21-3, to and... You know, At that point, you've pretty much got nothing to lose. You've got to turn it around immediately. And you're down 21-3, to and you just give up. They give up. They don't try to move the ball down the field. They don't try to get a score before halftime. They just try to run out the clock, accepting being down 21-3 to at the half. And then the straw that broke the camel's back, they go to punt it. It's blocked and returned for a touchdown. So now it's 28-3 Notre Dame in the final seconds. That was with 11 seconds left in the first half. And when that happened, that was it. That was the final straw for so many people. The final straw for the game. That meant that this game was irredeemable. There was no way Pitt was even going to make this an interesting game. It was pointless. Final straw for the season. And for a lot of people, final straw for Pat Narduzzi. Because a lot of things you can attribute to poor offense... You're missing a quarterback, big play that you give up on defense here or there. It's things that, that maybe they're at the margins and you can't entirely put it on the coach or the coaching staff. But when you decide that in the final minute and change of the first half that you're not even going to try for a score and then you just punt it away. And then it comes back and bites you, and you give Notre Dame, you give them a 3-7 points and completely wipe you out of the game. That was completely pathetic. It was unacceptable. And it was the first time that I seriously considered maybe Pat Narduzzi is not the guy. And maybe he will have to go at the end of the season. I had never thought that before, that exact moment. The game looked like it was going to be a blowout. And it looked like in back-to-back weeks, when Pitt normally plays very well against top-ranked teams, it looked like this year that was not going to happen. That Pitt was not going to be able to pull a big upset against Miami or against Notre Dame. It became pretty clear, but the game was still watchable. And there were still, you talk about how bad the offense is and Mark Whipple and all that. But it was that moment that when they just gave up, they didn't have heart. They didn't have determination. They didn't have belief that they could do anything in that game. They didn't believe in themselves. I'm talking about the coaching staff. Did not believe in the team. And then then it comes back to bite them, and you gift Notre Dame a free seven points. And that was the first moment where I thought, maybe Pat Narduzzi doesn't make it to next season. Up until then, obviously, there have been questions. We had talked about it last year, the early part of the season. If maybe it's time for for Pitt to move on, you thought, well, maybe probably give him one more year and all that. And then this season, you're saying, well, because of COVID, he probably still has one more year after this one. And you can maybe just try a different offensive coordinator, see if that does the trick. But after that, at that moment, I and a lot of Pitt fans thought very seriously, it might be it. Because that goes beyond just normal team-related losses and, and uh, how the team plays. Because that was beyond the team. That wasn't, as I said, poor offensive play calling or your quarterback just doesn't have it or the running game is atrocious or the defense gives up big plays here and there. All those things, there are a multitude of factors that go into it. It's the players, it's the recruiting, it's the coaching, it's it's a lot of things. You know, it's the defense, it's a lot of things. But in this case, just giving up at the end of the first half. That was 100% completely on coaching. And it was Pat Narduzzi's decision. I don't know if Mark Whipple first made the decision, but as head coach, it is his decision, is his choice to surrender to end the first half. And not only is it unacceptable to surrender to a 21-3 lead, if you can do anything you can to get some points on the board before the half. But then, of course, it's even worse when you give up another touchdown and completely end the game before you even go into the half. So it was just a horrific moment, and it was the first time that I think a lot of people started to seriously question if Pat Narduzzi should go, because that that was maybe the lowest moment of his tenure at Pitt. The only other times that I can think of that were probably worse, or that that could have been worse, or could have been as bad, I don't know if anything's worse, were where you really think, hey, maybe this is not the guy. So you sort of take out things from, you know, the first three seasons. His third season, they kind of struggled, but it happens. I would say the blowout loss to Penn State a few years ago, and then Last season, I would say the exact moment that he decided to kick a field goal from, I think it was the one yard line, uh, instead of going for the touchdown against Penn State, and they missed the field goal anyway. I think that before this might have been the lowest moment, where it's something directly coming down to a decision he made that you just wonder, how, how does this guy not have faith in the football team that he coaches? And if he doesn't, that's a major problem and a problem that might mean that he is not the guy. I think it came out that that was probably the lowest point, and then this and then this happened, which sort of took the other two games, both the blowout and the awful decision-making, and you combine them into this game, which was both a blowout that had awful decision-making. And so it, it's just a, a bad spot for Pitt. I mean, in terms of on the field, we'll talk about Narduzzi and what's going to happen with him in more detailed in just a moment. In terms of on the field, uh, I would say the biggest concern biggest new concern is the quarterback position because the defense wasn't particularly good. they have some good moments they have some awful moments it is what it is. Uh, the you know the receivers there were some drops it is you know it's been the same case all season and the running game has been atrocious as it has been all season. The new uh, addition <laughs> to Pitt's woes in terms of uh, the roster and personnel is the quarterback position. Because since Kenny Pickett's gone out, you've got uh, two young quarterbacks who you go and you try to see what you've got and Joey Yellen and Davis Bevel. They tried both out against Miami. Joey Yellen looked pretty good. And he was looking okay at the very start of his game, but he kept throwing interceptions. By the end of the game, he had three interceptions. And you just can't have that. I mean, his final stat line, 10 for 27, 101 yards, no touchdowns, three interceptions. Uh, he was sacked, I believe, six times. Uh, it was it was rough. It was just a rough game for him. And he can't move. He can't run. So he's not like Kenny Pickett in that way. And then they put in Davis Bevel, who couldn't. By the time they put him in, it was extremely late. I think once it became a blowout, you make a change and you see what Bevel can do. They put him in extremely late. He still couldn't really do anything. Then they put in Nick Patty. He's not really the answer. So uh, you've got these three quarterbacks. Outside of Kenny Pickett, you've got Yellen and Bevel and Patty, and none of them look like they are a capable starting quarterback for this team. And that's a major problem because part of why you would want to keep a coach and keep things on the same track that they are, even if you're frustrated with this year, is you think, oh, well, next year, that's going to be the time when this team uh, really steps up. Or this team's got a bright future because they've got these young, good players. And with Kenny Pickett as a senior, I, I suppose, especially if he's out for the season, he probably could come back next year if he wanted to. I don't know if he'll want to. But you've got these three young quarterbacks. Yellen and Bevel are uh, freshmen. Patty is a sophomore. And none of them look like they can be the quarterback for the next three or four years none of them look particularly good. And that's a huge problem because you can't say, okay, even without this, we've got a bright future ahead of us. Right now, it seems like there is no future at the quarterback position for maybe three years. And that's a huge problem. You've got three guys. In the past, it's been... Uh, sort of a depth problem. Pitt didn't really land quarterback recruits. They really just had two guys on the roster, and the backup wasn't that good. It, it was tip. I mean, you look at it, Ben DiNucci, is now a quarterback in the NFL for the Cowboys, uh, but he transferred to James Madison because he was the backup, and he still uh, wasn't very good. So Pitt has had a very short depth chart with quarterbacks in recent years. This year, it seemed to be pretty deep, and yet 2, 3, and 4 don't look like they can get the job done. So, I don't know what the plan is after Kenny Pickett, but as of now, it doesn't seem like any of them can be a good starting quarterback, and that's a major problem, because when you talk about the future of this team, you've got to pin your hope on something, and on the offensive end, there really does not seem to be much there, because if you don't have at least a capable quarterback, it's not that Kenny Pickett was sensational, uh, when he was a freshman. in that, Miami. I mean, he had a great game against Miami. His sophomore season, he was decent, but there was room to grow. He looked pretty good. Pitt doesn't need to have a great quarterback between Yellen or Bevel or Patty, but just a good one, a capable one. And right now, it doesn't look like they have it. So that's a major concern. So we'll take a very quick break, hear a word from our sponsor, and then come back, talk about the coaching staff, where things are, uh, and what is the future for Pat Narduzzi. Just a moment. Okay, we are back on Unscripted. So, where do things stand with this program right now? Well, Pitt has a bye week. So, they've got a, a week now to just sit around and try, I mean, not really sit around, but try to correct these issues. They do not have a game. That may be a good thing. Maybe they can hit the reset button. Maybe this can be a chance for them to stop the bleeding because they will have two winnable games coming up uh, in a- after the bye week. They've got Florida State. They've got... Uh, Georgia Tech. And then after that, they finished the season with uh, Virginia Tech and Clemson. And the way the team's playing right now, neither of those seem like a win. So you really have to get wins against Florida State and Georgia Tech. And maybe they'll be able to hit the reset button. Maybe they'll be able to either get Kenny Pickett healthy or figure out which one of the quarterbacks and and is going to be the starter and really improve that guy. Maybe they can figure out a running game. Maybe they can do all these things and hit a reset button and get two wins coming out of the bye week and sort of salvage this season. It won't be a good one, but if you can finish five and six, it's based on how they play the last four weeks, it wouldn't be dreadful. It wouldn't be good, but it would probably be enough to buy Pat Narduzzi another season. And certainly if they could pull off an upset against Virginia Tech or Clemson. But if they play how they've been playing the last four weeks, they won't be able to beat Florida State or Georgia Tech. And then you're looking at losing out. Then you're looking at winning the first three games of the season, being ranked, and then losing the rest of the season. And finishing 3-8, and which frankly would be pretty pathetic. So they've got to get two wins in these last four games. And there are two winnable games, but they cannot win them if they play like they have been playing these last four games. They cannot do it. So we'll see what they do with the bye week. They can hit a major restart button and try to turn things around. But for me, there has to be a change in offensive coordinator. Mark Whipple, I generally I I hate to advocate for firings and things like that because I understand these are people and these are livelihoods and all that. Mark Whipple should not be the offensive coordinator of this football team. He just shouldn't be. There is nothing about this offense that has shown to any of us that it can be even capable. I'm not talking great. I'm not talking the Matt Canada offense for that one season uh, when they looked phenomenal. I'm just saying capable. This offense has not looked remotely capable outside of Kenny Pickett being a hero. They've got some talent at wide receiver, and Kenny Pickett's been great, but outside of that, it has looked atrocious. And the play calling is is terrible. It's a huge part of that. Just the, the general philosophy has been bad. Some of the individual play calls to have designed uh, screen passes, I don't get it. I really don't get it. Uh, unless you have an absolute uh, stud, uh, like in the Tyler Boyd era, maybe then, okay, you just get in the ball. In that case, really just a direct snap, just wildcat, but unless you've got an absolute stud, uh, do not throw the ball laterally, (laughs) do not throw the ball uh, side to side when you're trying to go forward, and they keep doing it, it never works, and then they do it some more, they keep trying to run the ball, it never works, and they do it some more, and unless you can fix the problems that are the reason for the lack of a run game, don't just try to establish a run game, it's like fetch, it's not going to happen. Not unless you fix whatever the problem is. It seems mostly like it's the offensive line, more certainly more than the running backs themselves. But unless you have this amazing week of practice, unless the offensive line really steps it up, unless you put in someone off the bench who you think is going to be great, unless that something huge changes, there is no reason to believe that the running game will be anything other than anemic. And they keep trying it, and it keeps failing. So I really don't think Mark Whipple should be calling the plays anymore. I think you've got Chris Beatty on the staff. He's been a play caller. He's been an offensive coordinator in the past. Let him do it. Mark Whipple, there's been nothing to show that he runs a good offense. And quite frankly, if this team's offense plays the same way that this team's offense has played the last four weeks, not only will this team not win another game, but I don't even know if I could watch all of those games. That's how bad it's been. It has been atrocious. Every time the team gets the ball on offense, you just know that it's either going to be three and out or maybe they'll get one first down and then they'll have to punt it. This team cannot get big plays. This team cannot drive the ball down the field. All they do is maybe get a couple of yards of field position and then punt it away. So I, I really think with this bye week, I know it's rare in college football uh, to make coaching uh, staff changes during a bye week midseason. I think you have to utilize it and you have to get a new offensive coordinator. Just let Beatty do the calling because Mark Whipple uh, has been – completely ineffective at his job. Uh, He's getting to the point that it's Sean Watson bad, and you do not want to get to that place. And if Narduzzi decides to not do anything with Mark Whipple, that could very well be his demise. Because the one thing that could save his season is if there's a big change in the offense, and the offense turns it around, and then they can win a couple of games. But again, if this offense plays how they've been playing, then they won't win any of those last four games. And if that's the case, it's not just the offensive coordinator who's got to go. It's Pat Narduzzi who's got to go. Narduzzi's seat is getting extremely hot. And your last chance is to get a new offensive coordinator and see what happens if you make that change, if someone else is calling the plays on offense. And maybe he's hoping, okay, after this season, then you move on from Whipple and you get a new guy. A guy who's not just a promotion within the staff, but someone you bring outside has been a good offensive coordinator and make that happen. I'm saying you might not even get to that spot if you're Pat Narduzzi, if you don't make the change now. If you don't make the change now, you could very well lose out, finish with three wins in an 11-game schedule, one of them against Austin P. And like I said, it's then it's not just your offensive coordinator going, then it's the head coach going. So you might not even be able to get one more year with a new OC if you don't make a change now. And that very, I mean, he may choose to go down with the ship or to hold on to Whipple and let the ship sink. He sort of did it with uh, with Sean Watson. That offense was atrocious. He kept him on. And it, in that second season, the offense was so bad. If you just thought that second season, If they just had a somewhat capable offensive coordinator, somewhat capable offense, what they could have done in a team that made it to the ACC championship game. Uh, But Pat Narduzzi held on to him for more than a season he should not have. This is Whipple's second season. I don't think he should hold on to him for the rest of this season, especially since it's very clear that you would not hold on to him for a third season if Narduzzi is still the coach at all. So I think you've got to make a change in offensive coordinator, or it could end up being a change at the head coach position. In terms of Pat Narduzzi, like I said, that was the first time in that game that I seriously thought maybe this is his last season. Uh, A buyout might be a concern, but at this point, if they've lost the team, and during that Notre Dame game, it certainly looked like they lost the team. If they've lost the fans, and during that Notre Dame game, it certainly seemed like they lost the fans. Uh, Losing the media, all those things, that is when the wheels come off, where you can't say anymore, well, just give it one more year, well, they can turn it around. At that point, you're past the point of no return. When things are just so bad that you cannot salvage it, and you have to find a new coach, even if it won't be better, if you're at this point and you feel like it's only going to get worse, then that's when you have to make a change. And it feels like this team might be getting to that spot. In terms of a replacement, I mean, the two top choices you'd say number one, the first phone call you gotta make is Luke Fickle at Cincinnati. He's done a phenomenal job there. Uh, he's he's got Ohio ties. Makes a lot of sense. I highly doubt he takes the job, especially because I don't know how much money Pitt could offer. If you have to fire Narduzzi, plus with COVID and losing revenue, I don't know if you could pay him enough money that he would take the job because he's got Cincinnati as a top 10 team right now. But that's your first call. Your second call is if he's fired, Tom Herman. Tom Herman, he was great at Ohio State, phenomenal coordinator, one of the best in the nation, went to Texas. He's done well but not well enough for Texas, but that's been the case for every Texas coach, and I don't think you can hold that against him. Uh, They might fire him. I don't know if they will. Again, the team is not bad. They're just not great. They're below expectations, but I think that's more of a Texas thing. So if they fire him, then Tom Herman, who's got those Ohio ties, he's your number two call. Those are both unlikely, though. Number three is the likely one, the one that makes a lot of sense, which is Joe Moorhead. Joe Moorhead was most famously the offensive coordinator at Penn State when they had a really good offense. Then he got a head coaching job down at Mississippi State. Wasn't a great fit. Uh, He was there for two seasons. The team was not bad. They were fine. I think Mississippi State just had very high expectations. I think they didn't give him time to really build a program. Uh, Their their new coach this season so far, Mississippi State, has not done better. They weren't particularly better when he uh, arrived before they hired him. They had one-and-a-half great seasons with Dan Mullen, but outside of that, it's not a great program, and uh, so I, I don't hold against him what he did at Mississippi State. It wasn't amazing, but it wasn't bad. To me, it's sort of as similar to what Jeff Capel did at VCU, and now he's the offensive coordinator at Oregon, which has yet to play this season, uh, but they, they will be, and I've got a feeling he'll do a good job there because he was a very good offensive coordinator, and it's Oregon, which is always known for a great offense. So, Joe Moorhead makes a lot of sense. He's from Pittsburgh. His first job uh, in coaching was as a grad assistant for Pitt. Uh, obviously, he was at Penn State uh, for for a while as the offensive coordinator. I think Moorhead makes a lot of sense. I think he was from uh, Fordham, uh, where he went to school in New York. So he makes a lot of sense uh, for Pitt. I do think he would accept the job. I think he would want to take another head coaching job, one that suits him better than Mississippi State did, which just never really felt like a fit. Uh, I think if you move on from Pat Narduzzi, that is the most realistic option. And normally you'd like to, when you're thinking about making a coaching change, you think, okay, what do I have now, and what would I have if we got the most realistic option? You can't think, well, what if we got we our number one choice, because that almost never happens. You're probably not getting Luke Fickle. So, and you, you can't assume that. So you assume you get the most realistic option, which is probably Joe Moorhead. By the way, if it goes below that, then you're in some trouble. Because then you're just looking at a a pretty good coach from the Mac or something like that. Not great. But most realistic option, the best most realistic option is Joe Moorhead. And if you look at Pat Narduzzi now versus Joe Moorhead, is it a big step up? No, probably not. But it would stop the bleeding. It would stop the wheels from falling off. It would give you a fresh reset. It would maybe revitalize the offense. That seems like a solid hire. Not an amazing hire. But you at least get this team to where they can be at a respectable level year in and year out. That's really what Pitt is chasing. I mean, I know they talk about winning the ACC. As long as Dabo Sweeney is at Clemson, Pitt's not winning the ACC. And I don't even know if that should be the goal. I think really, between Narduzzi's first two seasons and then a couple of years ago when they they won the Coastal, I think those are the years that you really hope for. That you can try to get eight regular season wins. You go eight and four and maybe win a bowl game. You try to go uh, and win win the Coastal Division in a normal year when they have divisions. And you try to make it to an ACC Championship game and hope that maybe something crazy happens. You try to get maybe nine wins in a season. That's what you go for and see if you can get that pretty consistently. And if that's what Pat Narduzzi's peak was, I'd be fine with it. But it seems like his peak is just below that I should Sorry, I should say, if that was what Pat Narduzzi's uh, normal was, then I'd be fine with it. But it seems like that's his absolute peak. His peak is getting those two eight-win seasons to start it off and then getting to the ACC championship game a couple of years ago. That's been his peak. He has not gotten past eight and five. Eight and five is the best seasons uh, that he's gotten. He's, he's done it three times. So if your peak—I mean, if the best you can do is eight and five, and most years you're talking about seven wins— six wins, maybe even five wins, that's not where you want to be. That can't be the norm. The norm has to be seven, eight, nine wins, not five, six, seven wins. And so far, when you look at I, his first two seasons were great. The ACC Coastal Champ season, that was great. When you look at these last two seasons, last year and this year, Pat Narduzzi's teams are 11-9 and nine overall. They are 6-7 and seven in the ACC. So you take out his first two seasons, you take out the, the Coastal uh, winning year, you take out the big win against Penn State, the big win against Clemson, the big win against Miami, and what do you have left? These last two years, when you remove the history, because it was a good history and everyone agreed, that's the guy. Pat Narduzzi, maybe they're not going to be incredible, but those eight eight and five win seasons, if they can do that each year, that's fine. But where are they now in the last year and a half, season and a half? 11 and nine overall six and seven in the ACC. That is mediocre. It's mediocre that Pitt can't accept. It's mediocre, which is what led Paul Chris to when he wanted to go back to Wisconsin, nobody tried to beg him to stay because he was a mediocre coach at Pitt. He was pretty much six and six each year. and again, in these last 13 ACC games, Pat Narduzzi is six and seven. And so if at the end of this year, you've got two seasons where your team plays like an average football team, where you play like a 500 team, you are mediocre. You just cannot accept that. You can't accept it. So he's got a way to turn this around. It's a bye week. You can get a new offensive coordinator. You can get wins against Florida State and Georgia Tech coming out of the bye week. But you cannot just trot out this exact same team for four more weeks, like we've just seen for four weeks, Because it's been atrocious for the last four, and it would be atrocious for the next four. And if that happens, then you are starting to make calls for a new head coach. Because you cannot have... You can have a guy who wins seven or eight games a year. You cannot have a guy who's winning five or six games a year. And again, even though this is a shortened season uh, by one game, and it is a tougher schedule, in an 11-win season, if you finish below five wins... That would be atrocious, and there's a very realistic chance that they could finish with three or four wins. So you need to get at least five. You need to win at least two of these last four, because if not, I really think there might be a change. This team seems to be lost. The Magic seems to be gone. I don't know if they can reclaim it. Now's the time. It's a bye week. Now's the time to reclaim it. I just don't know if it'll happen. So, that is it for this episode of Unscripted. Uh, We will not have a new episode next week because it's a bye week. What is there to talk about? Uh, We will have a new episode after that Florida State game following the bye week uh, on that Monday afternoon. Um, Very, 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 very important because this will be the last episode before uh, Election Day. Extremely important that all of you vote, uh, whether it's by mail, whether it's early, whether it's on Election Day in person. uh, Please vote. Uh, please do your research. Please go out and vote. Please, you know, make your voice heard. This is an absolutely critical election. Um, and so, you know, please, uh, you know, stand up for what you believe in, stand in, stand up for what's right. And please, please, please vote uh, the, by the latest. Normally, you say vote on November 3rd. Now it's by the latest November 3rd. If you vote early, if you vote by mail, go ahead and do it early. But if not, I'm personally voting on election day. Vote On November 3rd. Vote by November 3rd. Uh, So please do that. Um, I will be back on November 9th with a new episode of Unscripted. Um, Until then, you can follow me on Twitter at Corey E. Cohen, C O R E Y E, C O H E N. And also, please um, subscribe to the podcast. Anywhere you get your podcast, search for Cardiac Hill, however you're listening to this, and uh, subscribe to the podcast. And then the uh, new episodes will go directly to your phone. Uh, You can also rate and review us, uh, which would be great. Uh, Like I said, until November 9th, We'll see what happens with Pitt. They desperately need to turn around. Uh, we'll see what happens in this election. Please vote again. Uh, I'm Corey Cohen, signing off from Unscripted, the Cardiac Hill podcast.